This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. At the sign of the chimes, it's time to start the show. As soon as those chimes sound, that's your sign. Hey, we're here. We're gathering. Whatever time zone you're in, appreciate you being with us. And uh, say good day to you wherever you're listening in around the world. Maybe you're over doing some work and you're at AMI.ca streaming the program or TuneIn Radio, Radio Player Canada, some of the great apps to download and listen to the show. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muth, and good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Are we talking about Apple Watch chimes? Nope. Oh. I'm not thinking that, even though you're correct, definitely. I was thinking more of the, the, the clock that my parents had right. that just chimed once. It was just one of those knockoff clocks. That's what I used to call it, even though it was a very nice clock. But it would give you one chime, so it wouldn't, you know, chime two times for two or seven mm. times for seven. On the hour. It would just go, and you would know, oh, okay. It's the it's the, the the next hour. You had no idea if it was a three o'clock hour or four o'clock. But boom, your family have any clocks like that? Or no, there's a clock in the washroom that tick tick ticks all day. I find it really creepy. In the washroom there, there at a, main campus. Hanging, no, not oh. here at my mom's house. Um, and really? Yeah, it's really random. It just ticks. It's the only ticking that I ever hear in my life. Is the clock in my parents bathroom i I wonder if families that have a lot of kids if maybe that's something they should think about doing to kind of make people aware of time and stop being a bathroom hog get out get your hair done (laughs) and beat it chime it just ticks doesn't help anybody it's like the 60 minute clock on the tv show and it comes on yeah today on 60 minutes get out of the bathroom at the amuthan household it's very Um, strange you that's all you remember it's always been in there it's always been in there. It's always been in there. And I don't know what it looks like. I've never, you know. Did your family get that as a gift maybe time. from a bathroom hog? Maybe some, like, uncle or somebody said, here, guys. I don't know. But going back, though, the, the chiming on the hour is very helpful. And with yeah. the Apple Watches, you can do on the half hour as well, like a mini. Um, and you use a lot of alarms. I, I think do. people, that's where I find that I, I like the alarms, the ability timers you can set and stuff. But as someone from a little older era than yourself, it's something that I've, I've had trouble adapting in my mm. life. I, I the, totally, I get clocks to wake you up. Um, yes. if you have an alarm clock, but that's about it for some reason. Because the opposite is in my life. If I don't have an alarm to tell me, okay, you have five minutes to be wherever you need to be. Uh, the opposite effect is I'm constantly looking at my phone to know what time it is. Whereas I always did that with my watch on my wrist, but through the pandemic, I stopped actually wearing watches on mm. my wrist. Just got worried because I touch everything Bradley? and didn't want to touch my watches. Yeah, right. put, the, put the Bradley everything away. It was yeah. just, I got too worried about the fact that I touch my watch, forget myself, even just after I wash my hands. And, you know, when we didn't know much about the pandemic, uh, it was a bit of a, a bit of a concern. Mm. Folks, we've got a show ahead of you, so let's tell you what's going on today here on Kelly and Company. On our wellness chat shortly, Francis Wong brings us tips 
for staying healthy and well as we move into the fall season. Revolution Heard. This is a conversation we had around this time last year because this time they're celebrating their 12-year anniversary in style by breaking their own record and selecting 35 top finalists to be in the running for the 2022 Revolution Her Awards. And we're going to learn more with founder and CEO Maria Locker. On this month's Voices segment, Mark Aflalo, a man with many hats at AMI, shares his take on loving his work in radio. And we'll get into that conversation with Mark when he joins us for Voices in Hour 2 of Kelly and Company. Well, folks, the White House's South Lawn will become a concert venue later this week. And you can tell everybody. Elton John will perform on the lawn Friday evening as part of an event called A Night When Hope and History Rhyme, a reference to an Irish poem President Biden often quotes. Stars like John avoided the Trump White House, but the Biden administration has been embracing pop culture. BTS and Olivia Rodrigo have made appearances. I've seen fire and I've seen James Taylor played at a White House event last week. John will perform Friday for an audience the administration says will include teachers, nurses, gay rights advocates, and others. Sagar Magani, Washington. So a few days ago, we talked about the Piper, the gentleman who uh, took it up at the age of, I think it was 40, and ended up playing for uh, Queen Elizabeth. And I'm asking you, is there a place that you've always thought, wouldn't it be cool when you hear people getting the chance to play at the White House or in front of, uh, you know, in front of the uh, House of Commons, or like the, you know, the Parliament buildings. I mean, is there anywhere you've ever thought, hey, it would be cool to to play there? Yeah, and because I'm in Toronto, there's these places in Toronto you think of as the spot when you get big, right? When you're, when you're big enough as an artist and you get to play at these spots or uh, book these spots in, into your into your or sets into these spots you feel kind of successful so i was thinking things like nathan phillips square mm-hmm, dundas mm-hmm. square um madison square gardens like these kind of places or opening for artists at these places like concerts and such so those are um what i love but i love outdoor kills i am i don't know what it is i think it's just nice when as a you know pedestrian in Toronto walking around hearing music, hearing uh, the jazz festival or something else, just people performing all over the place. I love it. So I think of outdoor places first. How about you? I've emceed at Nathan Phillips Square. Have you? I have. See, that sounds like a bucket list check. It's a lot of a lot of fun, and exactly what you said. Knowing people are listening in, people are gathering, yeah. and like the outdoor feel for doing something like that is really, really tremendous. Um, I I once years and years ago as a teenager did uh, a, a special focus, a couple of scenes from a play that I was involved in uh, for awareness with disability at the uh, National Art Gallery in Ottawa. Uh, that was kind of cool to to go there and do that for for a big huge conference that was going on of teachers and and uh, educators. That was really special. So I've had a couple of opportunities to do stuff like that and and perform in I want to say fairly big halls mm-hmm. um, and sometimes even in front of fairly large crowds, uh, whether it be as an MC or or an actor. Uh, and I think you know when you st- think about, and I know you can't compare some of these places that we're talking about to the lawn at the White house i I get that but yet sure you can 
yes. you know, I know it's a special place and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But there's so much that as, as artists, I'm always fascinated, not necessarily what the dream is, but what people coming up would say, that would be fun. Exactly. Yeah, it really, really would. It, and it get, get lucky enough to do it. Hey, folks, take it, do it. Don't let your nerves uh, keep you from doing it. It's your own personal bucket list after all, right? right. If you're a performer or like you're saying, announcing all these kind of things, uh, there are places that you want to go to because that's just, that feels good to you. Yeah. It's those personal achievements that you Mm -hmm. look for. Folks, we're going to step aside for just a moment. Um, When we return, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be uh, speaking to Danielle Johnkind and drawing on her own personal experience with guinea pigs that have lived with her. Uh, Dr. Danielle Johnkind is going to be telling us all about these pets. Stay tuned. That conversation up next. Are you that person that always likes a heads up? You know, kind of what's coming up in the next segment on Kelly and Company. What are they doing now? Well, you can follow along on Twitter using the handle at AMI-audio. That's at AMI-audio on Twitter where you can follow along with the segments of the show and, of course, interact with folks at AMI-audio. If you have an email question that you'd like to ask, feedback at AMI.ca. The gang at Communications and Marketing, they'll help you out. Feedback at AMI.ca. And if you want to call in, leave us a message. Maybe we can use it on the air. Just mention it for Kelly and Company and give us permission if you don't mind. 1-866-509-4545 is the number to do that. 1-866-509-4545. And let us know what's on your mind. And maybe even have a, a book recommendation for our book club, monthly book club gathering that we get together and chat. I'm Kelly McDonald with Rumya Muthan. We definitely spend a lot of time talking about cats and dogs with Danielle Jeankind, our veterinarian. But I think we have something a little bit different on the docket today, so let's bring her on. The human-animal bond plays such an important role in people's lives. And as a veterinarian, it's my privilege to help keep those bonds strong and healthy. I'm Dr. Danielle Jeankind, and welcome to Ask a Veterinarian. Most definitely cats and dogs are more commonly kept as pets compared to other species of animals. But today, we're shifting gears and talking about an animal we haven't chatted about in, let's say, five years, give or take. Guinea pigs. So we're talking about what they're like to keep as pets and if they're good to keep as pets. Uh, And you, Danielle, you're drawing on your own experiences with the guinea pigs that live with you to tell us all about these animals pets today i'm very excited because i have no idea i've never had a guinea pig what's great (laughs) about having guinea pigs as pets well you know we we've actually had a lot of small mammal pets in our house over the years go Mm -hmm. figure huh um we've had bunnies hamsters rats you know we've had guinea pigs as well and you know all of them of course are fun and great in their own way but i have to say that the guinea pigs have been my personal favorite Um, they actually have a lot of personality. (laughs) You don't ever really expect that from a cage pet, but it's so true. And, you know, after losing our last one in her old age, we actually adopted a pair of sisters who my children named Morgan and Maya. And watching the two of them argue and tussle with each other reminded me of lots of people I know that have their own sisters. (laughs) (laughs) 
And when I watch them fight with each other, it always makes me laugh a little bit because I'm like, oh, yeah, they're sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're, they're sometimes feisty natures. You know, they also assert themselves when they want to be fed. And let me tell you, guinea pigs are demanding little critters at feeding time. They emit these piercing squeals when they want something, you know, and, and they run around their enclosure with such impatience while they wait for you to get it for them. And, you know, for such little critters, they are saucy. (laughs) And and that always makes me laugh, too. Um, But what I love most about the guinea pigs, though, is that they are cuddly, which is something you don't often see in some of the smaller pets. Mm -hmm. Um, None of my hamsters or rats ever really like to snuggle, you know, but the guinea pigs seem to love it. You know, I have great pictures of my kids with the guinea pigs tucked into sweater sleeves or, you know, into the hoods with the, like of the sweaters with the hoods pulled up and our guinea pigs, they love to be brushed and they love to have their little bald ears rubbed too. And they make these sweet little happy noises in the process. Mm. And, you know, there, there are some other nice things about them too. Um, Unlike some of the other small mammals like hamsters and rats, they've got a bit of a heavier, chunkier body type, which makes it easier to pick them up and handle them, you know, especially for smaller children. And um, they do seem to be, in my experience, less bitey in general, you know, Um, though I can tell you from personal experience that ours really seem to like salty fingers. So we're careful to wash our hands after eating chips before picking them up. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you're handling me with food this time. Well, that's really different. I like it. Oh, it tastes not bad either. Why are you upset and leaving now? Um, now, so many of the things that you said there, I'd have to stop and say, okay, most of that sounds really cool. There was a few of those things, you know, the demanding when hungry kind of thing. Are there any downsides to having guinea pigs as pets other than getting salty fingers bit? <laughs> Well, I don't know that all guinea pigs bite salty fingers. I know mine do. Um, But, uh, you know, of course, any pet that lives in any kind of enclosure will have to have it cleaned on a regular basis, you know, and and that is a big commitment for people that have um, guinea pigs because living in a dirty cage is really not an option. Um, They can get respiratory disease and that, of course, is made worse if there's poor air quality from having a lot of waste around. And their their feet could get infected from standing in it all the time. So you definitely need to worry about keeping their cage very clean. Um, Cost can be another factor for some people. Um, Cage bedding adds up to a significant expense over time. And um, you can reduce that by buying and cutting fleece to lay in the cage and act as bedding. But that means you have to clean the cage and wash the fleece more frequently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? Um, well, you can feed some pellets. Guinea pigs also need grass hay to form the major part of their diet. And that's another expense that can add up over time. And, you know, guinea pigs are actually a lot like horses in how their digestion works. They need to eat a steady amount of grass to feed those gut bacteria. And that means they produce a steady stream of poop pellets. Mm, I knew that was coming. (laughs) I don't ever cuddle them without a towel under their bum. And I learned that the hard way when I found guinea pig poop in the front pocket of my hoodie after I was peed on. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, while I was at a meeting to st- discussing and someone was staring and saying, what's wrong? Uh-oh. Uh, when when it comes to that, because you were, you were saying that even with the feet and everything like that, obviously when you pick them up, take them out too, probably easier for us to, you know, not healthy for us either to not pay attention and come in contact with that and, and not deal with it right away or not notice it there. 
Yeah, no, generally, you know, you don't want to be messing with animal feces in general. It's Mm. not a good idea. Um, You know, common sense and, you know, basic hygiene applies. Um, The last thing that I would say is, you know, if noise bothers you, you might not want a guinea pig. Um, Besides the squealing for food, they seem to be mostly nocturnal, you know. And if you're like me and you're not a sound sleeper, you definitely don't want to keep them in your bedroom. They run around all night. Yep. (laughs) I've heard this from friends. Do they need regular vet care? Well, you know, a regular exam is a good idea for any guinea pig for a few reasons. Um, Some of them don't actually wear their teeth down properly, and they can develop these overgrown sharp teeth that can cause all kinds of problems for them. And one of the signs of that is like wetness under the chin and the jaw, Um, but you might also notice weight loss if it's bad enough. Um, guinea pigs with that problem need their teeth trimmed by a veterinarian who has the right tools to anesthetize them and grind the teeth down to a normal shape again. Um, a fecal test for intestinal parasites is probably also a good idea and to have the skin and ears checked. Uh, skin mites can be a problem for some guinea pigs. And, you know, it's also a good idea to review how you keep your guinea pigs with your vet um, because, of course, good husbandry practices and a proper diet will head off a lot of health problems. So as a preventative measure, it's a good idea. Do guinea pigs get sick very often? Uh, You know, if you provide them with a healthy diet of grass hay and supplement it with a bit of fresh greens and make sure they get adequate vitamin C, I think you're well on your way to avoiding a lot of problems. Um, As I mentioned before, you know, they need to have their teeth looked at and dealt with, and they also need adequate exercise and socialization. And both of those are kind of improved if they have a friend to live with. Um, So if you make sure their enclosure is large enough, is clean, has good ventilation, all of that's very important. Having said all of that, you know, they do sometimes get sick. Um, Being a prey species, they tend to hide their illnesses, so it isn't always easy to tell if they're not well. So it is important to pay close attention to them. And if they have a health issue, you might see weight loss, that wetness we talked about around the jaw and chin, quieter than usual behavior. Um, A guinea pig with a skin condition might have hair loss and could be itchy. And believe it or not, if they're itchy enough, they can even have seizures. Um, Yeah. And any guinea pig, of course, that gets diarrhea, blood in the stool or who refuses to eat should go to the vet right away. Danielle, is there anything that can be done for sick guinea pigs? Yes, of course. Um, But though, if you think there's something wrong with your guinea pig, you should check with your vet as to how comfortable they are treating small mammals. Um, If they don't routinely see them, they may refer you to another vet who specializes in seeing exotics instead. And, you know, it is possible to do diagnostic tests on blood and urine samples and to take things like x-rays on guinea pigs. Um, And there are medications they can take to treat disease problems. Um, And some veterinarians offer hospitalization and surgical services for them as well though usually those people like I say tend to see them um, more like a specialty rather than just every veterinarian doing that Mm -hmm. so Danielle if someone's not comfortable doesn't have the situation to get maybe a second guinea pig for that socialization going back there to that is that you spending the time every day that commitment that has to fall somewhere because the 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 guinea pig needs it is that enough too? that type of socialization 
I think that is important, you know, that, that, you know, whoever is socializing with your guinea pig, they do need that. You know, I mean, they, you know, they definitely need, um, you know, a friend or a litter mate or somebody that, you know, they can kind of grow up with and live with, or, you know, they need that interaction with, um, with people for that socialization, you know, just, just to be, um, healthy and happy and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Okay. Uh, how long do guinea pig, guinea pigs typically live? Well, it really varies, you know, um, on average from about four to eight years. Uh, the average guinea pig living about five. Um, our first one, Charlotte, actually made it to seven years. Nice. Um, yeah, we, we lost Morgan at age six. And her sister, Maya, is still munching her way through life as we're having this conversation. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, before we wrap, anything else that's fun or great about guinea pigs that you want to share with us? Sure. You know, um, guinea pigs literally jump for joy, a behavior that they call popcorning. So when they're excited and happy, they sometimes jump straight up in the air like a popcorn kernel exploding, which is really fun. That's wow. adorable. Yeah. Well, as long, and, as, you're, as, long as their enclosure is high yeah, enough. Right. Yeah. Wow. W- one funny thing about them is that they actually pass gas occasionally. And it's always a surprise to me to hear that such a loud sound comes out of such a small critter. Oh, my and goodness. Since I'm a gardener, I'll also say that the stuff we clean out of their cage makes excellent compost. And my flower gardens love it. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Uh, any funny story? Well, I mean, I think you told us a couple of funny things there. But any particular story for you guys, the kids, you um, with your guinea pigs? Um, my son actually used to train his first guinea pig, um, in what we used to call the guinea pig Olympics and that he would put, pull her out of her multi-level cage and he would, he would tell her to jump back in using a pepper. Her favorite thing was red pepper. And so he would say, okay, Charlotte go. And then she would literally jump over the little barrier into the cage, like, like some kind of little horse going over <laughs> oh, to get the pepper. And it was very cute. I think we put it on a Facebook page somewhere. Wow. It was very cute. That's amazing. Well, it's so nice because, um, you point out all these things and especially in the beginning talking difference between you know rats and hamsters versus guinea pigs i had a hamster and he had a lot of personality as well he was very quiet compared to uh the squealing that guinea pigs do um Mm -hmm. but the the pooping and peeing never really got used to that when we were kids (laughs) i want to know how high the guinea pigs jump Oh, I've never measured it. Like, I wonder, like, I still can't get over that. The yippee! Well, Danielle, this has been really fun. And next week, the fun continues. I think this is going to be one of my favorite angles on uh, talking about Queen Elizabeth II because we're going to tribute her and talk about her love of animals, particularly the corgi dog breed was one of her favorites. I'm so excited about that. It's a, it's fun, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to do it. Got find out a lot of really fun stuff about that. It was very nice. A hundred horses. That's what she had. A hundred horses. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, we'll keep talking next week. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thanks, guys. Dr. Danielle Johnkind joining us for Ask a Veterinarian, and that's on Tuesdays. Today we're talking about guinea pigs. And we're going to step aside for a couple of moments, folks. It's time for our wellness segment with Francis Wong, who's going to be bringing us tips for staying healthy and well as we move into the fall season. I know there's a lot of questions out there. Let's see what she's got for us to talk about after this break on Kelly and Company.
Welcome back to Kelly and Company. Rummy Muth and Kelly McDonald, host of the show. I, I've always thought of um, parrots and things like that more when it comes to personality than guinea pigs, hamsters, and stuff. But ah. you say your hamster had personality. Oh, man. How did you know? What kind? So much sass. So much sass. <laughs> I swear, we're only, it's almost like we only describe personality when it's sassy. Sass. You know True. what I mean? True. Right? Like, oh, he's so stubborn. He won't eat his food. So much personality. But yeah, my mom's parakeet or cockatiel. She's got personality for days. <laughs> well, it makes the greatest noises. I remember when you were uh, over there and, and stuff like that, and we'd hear, and it was just like, <laughs> oh, wow. I, I think you're right. It's really interesting you say that about personality because, or we're thoughtful. You know, yeah. if you're, ah, he, also, he takes his yeah. time. He's diligent. Yeah, he takes or, care of me when, he, when I'm sick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's very interesting what things we classify when it comes to that, especially <laughs> with pets, as to, you know, oh, he has a personality. <laughs> you know, and you say that. Yeah. It's like everybody knows. Oh, I know what that means. Well, we have no idea because it could mean anything, right? Right. But it's such a funny thing. We start imaging. Folks, it's time to chat about the world of health and wellness with Francis Wong. Hello, I'm Frances Wong, and I invite you to join me as we explore topics of health and wellness so that you can make the best choices for you to live an informed and radiant life. Fall is just a couple of days away, coming up on September 22nd. And to be honest with you, it's not easy shifting gears as the days start getting shorter and turning colder. Frances, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Kelly? feeling excellent thank you and i love it i'm a a person who enjoys the fall i love this time of the year so today we're going to talk about some things that we can do as we slide into autumn to take care and look after our health yeah i love the long days of summer but sometimes i find the heat can really get to me especially if we're going through some heat waves draining Mm -hmm. for sure Yes, yes. And while I don't enjoy the shorter and colder days of fall, I do like the fact that the weather is almost perfect this time of year. And this is, of course, when the fall harvest is arriving. And with that, we have our pumpkin pies and mm-hmm. other fall favorites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're not here to reminisce about our favorite comfort foods yet, but um, <laughs> let's talk about the weather since that's also a favorite topic for many. Um, did you guys see that global news article last month with the headline? That said, nearly half of Canadians pay more attention to the weather than their payday. Wow. I know we talk about it the most every day, multiple times, or certainly turning (laughs) to our smart devices. What a comparison, though. No, I didn't see the article, but I could believe it. And it's funny because we can't do a thing about either one. Yeah, so while we may not be swimming out in the lakes and oceans as the water temperatures have dropped, it's still nice enough out during the daylight hours to get outside. If we have kids, they're back to school, and if we're working, we're likely to be back from vacation or at least from some time off. What are some of the things that either of you like to do outdoors in the fall? Walk. Walk, walk, walk. All the walks I can get in uh, during the fall months. I love it. Like around Labor Day, it really starts for me where instead of just one walk a day or trying to uh, catch the best weather at the the, right at the start of the day, like 8 a.m. or so, um, I try to squeeze in as many walks as possible because like you, Francis, I love how crisp it feels outside. I love the mix of things, walking, like you said, bike riding. I love sitting there and watching like a sports, baseball or something like that outside uh, or, or just reading a book outside. Much more in the fall, getting into the cold. I, I prefer that and love it. Mm, yeah, it's much more comfortable. Yeah. Oh. I, 
Yeah, I personally love going on drives to admire the changing color of the leaves. And also like you, Ramya, like doing fall hikes. And since Labor Day, we've likely established somewhat of a new routine. But if you haven't gotten it down or you want to tweak your routine to optimize your health, here are some things that you can do. So this is a great opportunity to take advantage of the comfortable weather to be outdoors in nature before it turns too cold. um, But and then we end up hibernating inside. So I also love this time of year because it means less bugs and mosquitoes. (laughs) And (laughs) (laughs) we may have slowed down a bit since summer, but we want to make sure that we maintain or get back into a fitness routine or physical activity while still enjoying the outdoors. And if you didn't get a chance to do so over the summer, it's a great time to try camping or forest bathing, which we discussed a couple of months ago. This time of year will bring different experiences with leaves crunching underfoot and different smells in the air. Some of the summer activities we talked about last summer can still be done outdoors in the fall. Things like what you said, uh, Kelly, like cycling, there's also running or bird watching or bird listening and even yoga and dance. The important point is to be physically active since studies have shown that being outdoors can help with relieving anxiety, stress and depression and boosting overall mood. Nice. Very, very nice. And I think you put something else in there that I didn't didn't mention. Just smelling that wonderful air as the leaves fall, as things change, and it goes from that sweet, wonderful, coolish air, beautiful smell, to sometimes more of that dead smell that is, that is autumn. Um, but let's get back to the topic at hand. One of the things you mentioned also, speaking of depression, are there things we can do to help stave this off during the dark and colder months? Yes, absolutely. We talked about seasonal affective disorder last year and how this is related to the changing of the seasons and the shorter days. With days getting shorter and there being less sunlight, we'll want to keep our vitamin D levels high, which not only will help with our mood, but it will also help boost our immune system. Mm -hmm. In addition to taking vitamin D, we can look into acquiring a light therapy box, which can help us with our mood. And if the listeners missed it or want to listen again, they can go back to the January 2021 archives where we dove deeper into seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, and you're mentioning uh, vitamin D and the immune system. It's much easier to get sick, I find, when the weather is fluctuating and we don't always know how to dress uh, based on, you know, we go outside now, it's one thing, and then a couple hours later it might be a whole different scenario. What other tips do you have for boosting the immune system? Well, the physical activity that I mentioned is definitely one thing to maintain um, both our mental and physical health and then we can look into some other important things like sleep we've discussed the importance of sleep on past shows with adults aiming to get seven to nine hours every night and it's not just the number of hours though um or the really i don't know who has the luxury of nine hours a night (laughs) not (laughs) i yeah we should aim for a regular schedule so we're not going to bed at 10 30 on a weeknight and then staying up till 2 or 3 a.m on the weekends even if we're sleeping the same number of hours per night in the old days before people had watches and clocks people would get up with the sun and go to sleep when the sun went down and this is nature's way of assisting us in keeping our circadian rhythm or the sleep wake pattern over 24 hours consistent wow you you really think about in the winter time, how much sleep potentially be in that old in that time beforehand you would be getting? Wow, um, sleep is important for good health, but so is our diet. What kinds of food should we be moving away from or moving towards when we do this transition from summer into fall? 
Right. Yeah. Nature is very intelligent. And I've mentioned previously on one of our segments on Ayurveda that one of the main principles of maintaining health and balance is by eating with the seasons. So summer berries and fruits like strawberries, blueberries, and peaches are all out of season, but apples and pears are late summer harvested fruits that we can enjoy. Other seasonal products at this time are eggplant, melons, figs, and corn. And as we move into late fall, good options include bananas, avocados, tomatoes, and citrus fruits like oranges and grapefruits. For vegetables, late harvest vegetables, um, late fall harvest um, includes squash, sweet potatoes, yams, and pumpkin. Healthy fats such as ghee or clarified butter and meats are good this time of year if you include these in your diet. And one of the noticeable changes is how the weather outdoors is not only cooler, but drier as well. So we want warming, grounding foods. Are there certain foods that you look forward to during this fall season, either of you? Soups. Yep. Yeah, I I think that would be the thing for me. I'm not a big soup person, but I I enjoy uh, some soup during the fall. Soup is nice. I love the the vegetables that you pointed out. You can tell that you're starting to incorporate more of that starchy stuff, right? The the uh, potatoes, the yams, the squash, especially. I I love those in soups and stews. And it's funny the body knows to go to like. Oh, yeah. Hey, by the way, I could use some of this. I have a craving for it. It's it's that body's way of telling you, yeah, I could really use this now. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. So remember in Ayurveda that we talked about like increases like. So what I mean by that is if it's cold outside and you eat ice cream, you're going to feel even colder. Mm -hmm. But when it's cold or cool outside, you can warm up by eating and drinking warm and spicy foods and drinks like stews, like what you said, uh, soups, uh, Kelly, uh, made out of roots, vegetables, or bone broths. I like drinking spiced teas that have licorice or ginger and cinnamon to balance out the cool dryness of the fall season. And you can also add warming spices like turmeric, which is good for anti-inflammation, as well as other spices like cumin, coriander, black pepper, and ginger in your cooking. Not only are they energetically warming, but they also aid with digestion. Isn't that interesting? Because it's true during the summer, you're not always going towards that stuff or, you know, tea in general, right? Like when we're thinking iced teas, we're not uh, thinking turmeric and stuff as much as we're thinking, I don't know, like berries and all the other things that are very summer like. And then in the winter, we naturally move towards the warmer spices and the heating spices along with our teas. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, if we didn't have grocery stores that offered every selection of choices, I think that we would naturally fall into what nature is actually calling us to do. Right. So, yeah. Is there anything that you guys do to make your home a little more cozy, knowing that you're going to be spending more time indoors? Well, clearly, uh, we bring out, you know, thicker blankets and things like that, right? More throws, more of that kind of thing. Um, But I also find with the the daylight feeling less and less, I try to put more light into the house because by 5 p.m. and 4.30, you're already closing down. <laughs> and that's not, that's yeah. not always yeah. productive. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, it's a really funny thing you say that because I don't think so. I, I Maybe the tea thing, maybe I drink more tea, but I drink generally hot drinks year-round anyway. I think I used to switch over to, to tea, and, and but some of that too is 
I love the smells, the cinnamon or whatever it might be in the fall. I find, you know, very comforting. And then maybe certain foods to sit and watch, you know, a football game on a Sunday afternoon. It just always was comforting. Right. Yeah. Since we're going to be spending more time indoors and half of the year has passed in spring cleaning, I'd recommend taking the time to do some fall cleaning and organizing your closets as well. So Mm -hmm. it's a good pack away your summer clothes. And while putting out your fall and winter clothing, take a good look at whether there are things that you want to donate or give away. And I always feel lighter after I've done some cleaning and there's no better time to get your home into good shape in preparation for the extra time that you're going to be spending indoors in the coming months. And being indoors can increase our exposure to germs, especially if we live and share space with others. So it's a good idea to wash or wipe down communal items on a regular basis. Things like throw blankets on the couch that get shared, door handles, light switches, remote controls, and things like that. For your own personal items of clothing, as we head into even cooler weather, this may sound obvious, but don't forget to regularly wash your gloves and mittens, scarves, hats that we may end up wearing several times a week. And while we're talking about cleaning, this is also a good time to do some seasonal maintenance like changing your HVAC air filter and replacing your fire alarm batteries. And if you don't have an air purifier, you might consider getting one since we spend so many hours indoors in the fall and winter months. Months. These things can contribute to both your health and safety. And you can also consider scenting your home naturally with an essential oil diffuser. Really quickly before we go, anything else we should consider before uh, we, sorry, to maintain our health throughout fall? Yeah, I mean, with the air being colder, um, that generally means that our skin is drier. And since our skin is the largest organ in the body and a barrier that protects us against physical injury and helps us in fighting off any bugs and allergens through our immune system, we want to take care of it. So it's important during the drier months to use some moisturizers or creams to help keep your skin smooth and to keep cracks away or from forming. And the same goes for our lips. We can use lip balms as a barrier to keep our lips from drying out. And Epsom salts are baths. Soaks are also a great way to relieve stress, soothe your muscles, and even soften your skin. Francis, awesome advice. Thank you very much for bringing the subject forward. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. That's Francis Wong, who joins us bi-weekly to talk wellness, opposite our nutrition segment with Julia Caranches here on Tuesdays on Kelly and Company. Coming up next, Revolution Her is celebrating their 12-year anniversary in style this year by breaking their own record this year um, and selecting 35 top finalists to be in the running for the 2022 Revolution Her Awards. We learn more with the founder and CEO, Maria Locker. Stand by. You're settling back, listening to us live from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. That is awesome. First repeat of the show, 10 p.m. Eastern time and 6 a.m. in the morning for the last uh, repeat of the show. But if you must, folks, gather up time and sit down and listen to the show at your convenience via the Kelly & Company podcast using your favorite podcast platform. Simply search for Kelly & Company AMI-audio and subscribe. You can listen to the show in segment form or, folks, you can listen to the show in the complete Kelly & Company podcast experience where we even include an audio vanity card. That's the Kelly & Company podcast. Please subscribe now using your favorite podcast platform. I'm Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan.
Revolution Her, which is an initiative we chatted about on the show before, is celebrating their 12-year anniversary in style this year by breaking their own record and selecting 35 finalists to be in the running for the 2022 Revolution Her Awards. So we're going to learn more about this right now with founder and CEO Maria Locker. Maria, thanks for coming back on Kelly and Company. How's it going? It's good. Thanks so much for having me. Always good to be with you guys. Oh, it's very fun talking about this fantastic initiative. And to kind of um, let people know, you know, what's happening, how things are feeling right now at 12 years of Revolution Her, how does it feel for you? How does it feel for the team? <laughs> you know what? It's been such an evolution. We've we've done so much over the years. It's really exciting, first of all, just to be back in person. This is our first event coming up since uh, pre-COVID days. Yeah. So it's just really exciting to bring community back together. I think we've all been craving that in person and we love what we do. So we're really excited to spotlight these 35 incredible women and youth. Mm-hmm. Now remind us what Revolution Her is. How are we spotlighting um, and celebrating these women through this program? So everything we do at Revolution Her is to uplift empower and amplify women's voices globally. Our job is just to really help women feel inspired. And, you know, we do that through sharing stories of real women who have gone through the mud. Um, You know, and and our job is just to bring everyone together. We offer really great events and support resources. We have a podcast. We have a magazine. And it all ties in together, just profiling women, sharing their stories, and making everyone feel empowered by them. And doing it in all these different ways, uh, you know, taking part in uh, several avenues, if you will, that get more people in touch, builds the community, as you're saying, and continues Mm -hmm. with the mission. So explain to us how the award part works, because there is a big, uh, you know, it's a process and it's a really wonderful one to follow as well. It is, yeah. So usually around International Women's Day, we open up our awards for nominations. Um, And this year alone, we got just over 1,500 nominations that were put through. Um, And from there, we had 200 that advanced to the voting round. We we love our voting round because it really gives everyone a chance to see the support that's out in the community. I think we had 30,000, just over 30,000 votes in less than a week. Um, for our finalists that went through and um, and then we nail that down even further to the 35 finalists that you see now which are you know five award categories it's really really hard I was (laughs) gonna say (laughs) so good it's hard the fact that it's divided into five categories is probably a bit easier because the amount of votes that come in um who do you hear from i'm so curious do you hear from like the nomination side of it is it family and friends what kind of um standout women are being brought to the the award nominations well this this year alone i mean we have women who are heading up you know, international multi-million dollar companies. We have small business owners. We have leaders for nonprofit organizations. We have youth. We have a really great youth award. Um, so it's, it's a bit of everything. And often what we see with the nominations are people sending in a nomination for someone that they're inspired by or they love their product. They think more people should know about them. You know, they love working with them. That, that tends to be how the nominations start. 
Um, and so it's really, really great to see even in the voting stage, you know, we get a lot of comments like, you know, way to go. And so, but like I'm behind you a hundred percent and they share it on social and it just, it's like a really good fuzzy moment for everybody. Yes. This is the uplifting part um, that I feel like you were (laughs) explaining earlier. It can really feel that. So the five different award categories, can we go through them? Were those some of the ones you were mentioning with the youth award? Yes. Okay. So we we have our Trailblazer Award and and that's really for women who are just like it says, you know, they're really kind of making their mark. They're forging their own path. Uh, after the Trailblazer Award, we have two impact awards, one in entrepreneurship and one in leadership. Um, and that's followed by a small business award and a youth award. And, you know, this year we're going to be naming our winners shortly, actually, in just a few days at our Revolution Her Summit. And that's where we really get to kind of bring everybody together you know, these, these finalists are from across Canada and the USA. So it's a really fun moment to kind of be all in the same room together, recognize everybody, celebrate, and actually name our winners. Wow. Marie, when you get down, what the, the, when they're judging to say, okay, this award, where, where are we going to put, which one is the hardest, do you think, to for everyone to judge to say, this is our finalist, this is our, you know, uh, our our winner, if you want you know want to call it that, because everybody's a winner here. But the fact yeah. is, which one is the hardest to, for people <laughs> to make that decision because of what it is, and because uh, everyone's equally as important. But I'm I'm finding, wow, I wonder how you'd make these decisions and come down. It's, there's got to be one that's tough. It's all impossible. I have to tell you, <laughs> thank goodness we have a a judges roster. We have about 35 judges. We pack each award with six to eight judges because there's no way otherwise we could do this. Everyone is so different in their opinion and that's how it should be, right? You're, you're judging. I mean, these are real people. You're judging things like growth potential and inspiration to others and impact on the community. Those are not easy things to judge. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think every category is really difficult. This by far was the hardest year we've seen. We had some finalists that were literally two points away from each other in terms of placement, and we've never seen that before. It's It's been a really hard year. So shout out to our judges. Um, they're on our website. You know, we, we absolutely could not do this without them. Wow. How did you guys, the judges in question, uh, how did they become judges? So often we work with a lot of our partners and we work with alumni from past awards. So for a lot of the women that already made it through the process, um, they become a judge for us if we send out the invite. If anyone's ever interested, you know, we do put out a call for judges. Um, Often we're looking for, you know, men and women who can really attest to what they're looking for in someone that's going to inspire others. Um, So, you know, we're really fortunate to have such a fantastic panel from all walks of life and industries. I I would think that um, reading up what what comments people have to say, the difference, you know, you think of a a manager or somebody that you've dealt with, a founder, you know, somebody, a a CEO, whoever it might be, um, Mm -hmm. who has made a difference to staff members, to somebody they've, you know, interacted with, who says, yeah, man, you really gave that person who deserves because some of those comments that you you guys see must be just tremendous now. Oh, it's 
it's a sounding actually. And I think, you know, we all kind of put our heads down and we do the work that we have to do and don't really think about, you know, what other people are feeling in the process. We just do the work we have to do. Yes. And, you know, when we're able to send comments back to finalists, whether they became a winner or not, um, and they see comments from friends online or family members, and they're able to see, wow, like I am making an impact. Even the the essay that they have to submit, uh, this year we actually included a video option. What we hear from so many women is, wow, I loved being able to reflect back. This was such a journey for me. I haven't thought about the journey in a long time. I just do the work I have to do. Mm. And so that's actually a really fantastic you know, personal development journey for a lot of the women in our awards. Yeah, we, we do love it. <laughs> Because a lot of people never have any idea, like you said, the impact or those things, you know, that people admire, whatever, um, and learn from that person. And sometimes for the people who are learning, it takes a while before they say, you know what, I, I really learned a lot from that person. Thank goodness I had them in my life to kind of mentor me or yeah. to, to follow. Yeah, and there's so many, and you just don't know the ripple effect it can have, right? No. So, no. you know, it gives us such an opportunity to put, you know, the responsibility in other people's hands to say, Hey, if there's someone out there that, you know, you admire that you respect, tell them like, let's do this more often. Why aren't we doing this all the time? So, you know, if you don't get that chance to do it on a regular basis, we really love the fact that we can put it out there and, and remind people, you know, yeah, I think it's a kindness, thing. breathe kindness. You betcha. Yeah. Maria, let's talk about what kind of prizing is available. So each of our awards has its own special prize package, and each one is valued roughly between seven to fifteen thousand dollars. It depends on which award, but predominantly our goal is really to foster continued leadership for every single one of our award winners. So we have um, a leadership and mentorship program that they're given access to complimentary. They get one-on-one coaching and training with a lot of the respected um, business and leadership coaches within our community. We also offer like marketing, you know, for particularly our small business owners and and the youth that are in philanthropy work. Um, We offer marketing opportunities. So, you know, we'll make sure to profile them in our print magazine, which goes out to 118 stores across Canada. Um, And it's just a way to, you know, to give back and profile them and continue to share their story. And uh, it's just, it's, it's a big package. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it. it. And it's absolutely one. And Maria, good luck to all these folks who, you know, are in the running. And the uh, big thanks to the judges, all that hard work all of you have done to, to put this forward for what it does for so many people. Can you tell us if someone's interested to be a judge or where anyone can learn more about Revolution Her? Where do we go? For sure. And you can go to our website, revolutionher.com. In case you're interested and you're in the Toronto area and you want to come see these finalists in person, they're all going to be at our summit, which is at the Fairmont on Friday, September 23rd and Saturday, September 24th. And we're going to be naming our winners on the Saturday. You can find all the information on our website at revolutionher.com. Thank you, Maria. All the best. And we're really happy that you came on to talk to us about this. Happy anniversary. <laughs> thanks and thanks for having me take care
founder and CEO of Revolution Her, and that is Maria Locker joining us to talk about the 2022 Revolution Her Awards and their 12-year anniversary. Uh, lots of fun and fantastic things to celebrate with this initiative. We'll take a quick break. Another hour of Kelly and Company ahead, folks. In that hour, not everybody feels similarly uh, about the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Young Wang shares the wide scope of perspectives she has discovered on this subject. And on this month's Voices segment, Marco Flalo. He's going to join us. A man with many hats over here at AMI, and you know him. Uh, you know the voice, you know the man. Well, we'll find a little bit about his love for audio. But up next, folks, if you're interested uh, in trying out goalball for fun, join the Montreal Goldball Club. Uh, community reporter Matthew, Matthew Rochette, he fills us in in a second. Thanks for being with us. Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald. We're the hosts of Kelly and Company. Thank you wherever you're listening in. Appreciate your time as we uh, navigate through our Tuesday production of the show. Uh, still a lot of great content ahead. Some good conversations as usual on the program. On Mondays and Tuesdays, we kick off the second hour of the show by visiting with our community reporters. We do this so we can find out about things going on in their area, experiences that they, they have that they can share with us, and things happening to give us that viewpoint of where they are and learn a lot about their communities. Today we welcome from Montreal, Mathieu Rochette. He joins us to talk about things happening out there. And I know he's also starting to get ready and starting to get the anxious hands going, tapping thing. Hockey, soon, soon hockey, soon. It's here soon. <laughs> ah, you and your Montreal Canadians, Montreal Canadians. Well, that's a subject for another. Uh, anyway, how are you, pal? Hey, very good. You see, now that you're teasing me with Montreal Canadian, I'm going to tease you with your Maple Leafs Toronto. <laughs> so did you see today that Vinito Shara just decided to stop his hockey career? And after 25 years, <laughs> you know where I'm going, right? Oh, yeah. You know? is, he is the only one left in the... Uh, well, actually, he was the only one active player who lost against Maple Leafs in first round playoff. Yeah, true. So true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it, but you see up here, what everybody's starting to do now is they're just not making that gamble of, oh, Toronto, no predictions. It's just, hey, looking forward <laughs> to, no, don't predict anything because I think people feel they have jinxed that poor Toronto team. So, uh, yeah. Uh, sir, we're going to oh, stick you have to Matt Murray now. So it's oh, I, oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. And I think that <laughs> I think that. Well, we'll, we'll see. We're, uh, that's I don't want to be one of those people. People say you jinxed the Leafs. You said too much stupid stuff on your show. Um, but let's talk about sports to kick things off on your report. Absolutely. You want to play goalball? Maybe just for a little bit of fun. This sounds. I'll use their word again. Fun. Yes, exactly. You see, when I personally did goalball like 18 years ago, uh, I was in shape. I did not know how to play, and I'd be straight up put in the same practice of the province team, which, <laughs> which is absolutely uh, not that yeah, good. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't end well, team. did it? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> not the first year, I'm telling you that. <laughs> After that, it was okay because I wanted badly to be yeah. like, 
you know, to go in high competition and stuff, but it's not for everyone. And that is absolutely normal. So what it's cool now from the last years, uh, the ASAC, Association Sportive des Aveugles du Québec, decided to put uh, different clubs in four different town, uh, well, town or city in Quebec. So there's one in Montreal, Quebec City, Abitibi, Témiscamingue, et Rouen Loranda. So for the Montreal, though, it's they're putting a practice just, you know, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take that practice. I'll just say that sport activity every Friday from 6 to 7.30 at the Centre Communautaire Loisirs de Saint-Louis. So it's just for fun, guys. So you don't know how to play your scrap like Kelly and I together, want to just have fun there, not, you know, going for 15 extra training at gym and stuff. And most important, be introduced with people or probably beginner like you. Well, mm -hmm. here's your chance. And that's it's the, the local club, like I said, is also in three different uh, cities over in Quebec. So here's your chance. Just find out that sport, do a little activity, have fun, take smooth. And who knows if you want to go forward, then you'll have the provincial option. But you need to start at the beginning just for fun. So it's cool. I found out it has to be taught. It's starting actually now. And let's say that you want to join later. It's all good. It's going to be Friday every every week till May, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I like the idea. I like the separation because what you shared with us, your experience, that's enough to turn people <sighs> off of playing. That's enough to make someone Absolutely. say, I can't do this and have a really wrong or bad experience that leaves them with a bad taste. When it is it is a, a game where, and I think we have to see this in our community, um, a lot of people in other communities want to play for fun, enjoyment, exercise. <sighs> Very few people are playing to get to the Olympics. So, uh, you yes. know, we, we do need to understand that uh, there cannot be this resource where, where people are made to feel, oh, I don't measure up, I shouldn't be here. So I really like the, the, the approach that they're doing. You know, there are those who are higher level competitors, and so be it. We need them. We want them to represent our country. Yep. But there are also those people who are older, less experienced, never played the sport before, who you just really, you want everyone playing it. Awesome. Absolutely. Okay, talking more sports is the theme of your report, and this one's near and dear to my heart, the new Sassafoot season. What do you have to tell us about this one? Okay, so this will, it's the comeback for the ASAM, so Association Sportive des Aveugles du Montréal Métropolitain. So the practice is every Tuesday um, at the same place that Cobol actually play on Friday, so at Saint-Rémy-Saint-Nic-de-Saint-Louis. It's close to Saint-Laurent Metro Station. It's 7 to 9 p.m. every Tuesday. And it's the same philosophy, okay? So it's, it's, we, we don't have any professional coach. We have good volunteers with a lot of motivation. And it's the same thing. You want to try out this. You want to play soccer. But, you, you know, the, you, you, we cannot play regular soccer. Mm. So this is your chance. We play inside. So there is wall. The ball has bell, and it's it's again you just going there, learn the basic techniques, and have fun. There is no order competition coming on. It's just like put it together an activity for learning soccer, have fun, 
And who knows, after that, we'll see in the future. Because here in Canada, soccer, it's just beginning to be a bit popular. You would really be part of the evolution if you take part now. I'm uh, involved in blind soccer here in the GTA, and it it really is fresh. We're always talking about how it's just getting there. But, you know, in Europe, it's so huge. So the Paralympic side of it is pretty big, Mathieu. It, it is. It is. And the competition, because back in the days, you know, uh, four or five years ago, when we, we, we start the first time in here in Montreal, that was Christopher, who was the coach, and he was from France. Mm-hmm. And that's what he shared to me. He's like, there is team or literally doesn't talk to each other because they're <laughs> so well trained that they are exactly where everyone are in the court. Mm-hmm. And, they, and the ball just like moving around softly and boom to the net. So it is quite serious in Europe, yep. obviously, 60 foot and real soccer. So it's just getting started here. I know in Ontario, you guys have a few different clubs or that at least that was what I know from yes. two, three years ago. I don't know how the pandemic hit then as well. But look, guys, there is it's just a beginning. It's a little pace. And honestly, I am not in shape anymore. I'm going there every Tuesday just for fun, just doing some sport exactly. activities. And we'll see, you know, eventually what's going to happen with that. But I'm definitely not going to be one of the Paralympic members. <laughs> but if there is young folks join us, we'll see in the future. You never really know. And it's yeah. cool. Honestly, it's nice. It's, it's really fun. nice. fun. It's fun. This is a promo. It's very fun. You should try it out. And, um, you know, as the opportunities come, it's a real fun way to just get into some sport from the beginning because no one expects anything of you other than to come out and try it. Absolutely. You're still right on that. Okay, cool. So it is the same location as you said. The dates and times are different. We put everything up on the blog, ami.ca slash kellygo. That's a wild promo, folks. And remember, no. that's from a non-sports person. Oh, that's true. Cow. That's true. Uh, here's another sport or or activity that I, I think you both probably share a really strong liking for: uh, chess. And this is a combo putting this together on this next blind chess tournament. Yes. Yeah, so usually we have two tournaments a year in Quebec for over a decade. There was usually one from Quebec City around. Um, April, May, and in Montreal with uh, L'Association Québécoise de Joueurs Handicapés Visuels around October. Pandemic changed a lot of stuff, and I think that's a brilliant idea. So instead of doing two separate tournaments, we just decided to put all together and just make one beautiful, awesome tournament. So the CQPA, Le Carrefour pour Personnes Handicapés Visuels de Québec, or running the management in terms of hotel, description, uh, food, things like that. Like Jev, or in charge of the chess, um, the chef side of the part. So they are hiring the referees, making uh, arrangement with the Fédération du Québec des Échecs. Uh, they are in charge of everything in the room. So both associations decided to just be together yeah. and organize this coming October 28 to 30. Um, and honestly, it is fantastic. We are like so far what I saw yesterday, 23 players. There's one from Ontario. There's one from France, a bunch from Montreal and around around Quebec City. And it's cool. Again, 
I'm not going to lie. There is two or three players up there um, that, you know, we are going there because we like competition. We play outside of the, uh, the blind uh, community. But for the vast majority of it, at the second section, it's just people like to hang out and socialize. So, yes, it is quite serious on when you are in the room. There's protocols and rules, obviously. But after that, when it's over and you'll just like to walk in the hotel and find your favorite cold beverages, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm telling you, someday for some of them, yeah, they are smashed. But it's cool. Honestly, it's nice. Everyone are welcome, different age. You you want to play serious, there is serious player. You just want to play for fun and enjoy the moment of socialize, uh, you know, have a good time fighting on the board. It's all there. And I'm really glad that they just both association put together the strength and also respecting the own uh, association goals. Just big, do a big event. And it's, I think it's a nice comeback after this pandemic. Ooh, a lot of things changed. It is really cool. It's not expensive, though. Um, and if you want more information, guys, you can just go at... Um, well, I lost my page. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it up on the blog, too. Yeah, thanks, guys. To help you out. I just lost the page. <laughs> and uh, it's on October 28th is the first day. So, folks, you got to think about it, but sounds wonderful. Matthew, thank you very much. Hey, thank you, guys. Have a wonderful evening, guys. Afternoon, I mean. Thanks, man. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you next month as we do visit with our community reporters on Mondays and Tuesdays on the program. AMI.ca slash Kelly Co. The blog, as before mentioned. Check out things there. Coming up, folks, in just a moment when we return from the break. Not everyone feels similarly, uh, really, about the passing of Queen Elizabeth. Young Wang, she's going to share the wide scope of perspectives that she has discovered on this subject in a moment on Kelly and Company. Check us out right from your TV. Can you see us? No. Audio. It's an audio show. Come on, folks. What do you think? Ah, <laughs> uh, whatever's in the future. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, do that. Check us out from your TV, Bell, Channel 49, and Kojiko, Ontario. Look for us on Channel 596. Visit ami.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts of Kelly and Company. And Kels, on the third Tuesday of the month, we've been um, offered some very nice, insightful conversations with our friend Young Wang, uh, who's here again with some more thoughtful discussion. So, Young, today, I want to get right into it because there's a lot of interesting things we want to get to. We're discussing the connections um, and kind of the, the weaving in and out between the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, which is very re- recent, Albert Camus, and two of your Nicaraguan friends. So as we go down this, uh, you know, outline of our conversation today, we'll get to how these three different um, uh, aspects interlock with each other. So let's start with your feelings about the Queen and her passing, shall we? Oh, sure. <laughs> First of all, good afternoon to you, Good afternoon. Kelly. Uh-huh. 
Um, yeah, I, I was quite sad at her passing because um, uh, she served her country so well for so long. And it's really amazing that um, it seemed she never made a mistake uh, during those major turning points of history in her times, like World War II or Cold War, the fading of the British Empire. So she uh, was a symbol of uh, unity, um, stability, and nobility. So I think those qualities are you know, what we really need in the leaders of today's world. Um, however, after I read some articles by people who did not share the same sadness, uh, because either they themselves or their ancestors had suffered a lot from British colonialism, um, I realized, like, different peoples, just hold different opinions uh, on public figure. And they all have their points based mm -hmm. on their own living experiences. So I, I do agree that um, the, the queen would um, have been uh, greater if she had apologized on behalf of the monarchy for all the oppressions and um, exploitations that British Empire had inflicted upon people of other lands. You have to wonder, yeah. is some of that forthcoming? I think about her 70 years and how things were 100% different when she, uh, you know, first started on the, on, the, on, you know, on the throne. And really, when you think about how things have changed to the point where there was less heard from the, the royal family in getting involved in commenting on the world affairs, the, that more neutralism, neutralism that they seem to, in the last 20 years especially, mm -hmm. have. You wonder where that's going to go and said apologies that you see a lot of countries having the, the decency at least to say sorry for atrocities that uh, have been committed. Uh, I'm anxious to see if we start seeing that follow from from things like you say uh, the colonialism mm -hmm. uh, areas that that okay. the royal family needs to say how I hold it uh, you know what but what are your understandings of why we respect the queen well I, I mean many people respect the queen out of love so she is really like compassionate like a very nice person noble um uh, well, love is a natural thing. You cannot force it, right? So people love it out of love. Right. And some other people, yeah, so they, they, if they do not, they do not. Um, like this uh, Albert Camus said, like people should not respect anybody out of fear. Like the mm. fear of uh, the consequences of not respecting. Um, yeah. So um, I really like, you know, a lot of uh, Camus thoughts. Uh, like a uh, quote, a man cannot be explained by history alone, unquote. Um, so beyond history and uh, politics, uh, we have other important things to hold on uh, to, like um, freedom, like beauty, our life. And we all need to live our lives to the fullest. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, very interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm, I'm still thinking of, of what about fear and you know the understanding that i've i've had and you know you read history and yes uh, certainly there have been many 
monarchies around the world where, where there's fear and at times, uh, of course, the, 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 the British monarchy um, in history. And I think, okay, is, is it the love? Well, no, I don't necessarily have ever really thought about it that way either as much as the ritual, the this is all I know. And I think for a lot of us, um, that connection that we in Canada have, it is very interesting. But it's interesting to hear a comment made of, you know, um, do we respect and care out of fear? And and I wonder how much of that is there now. It's an interesting comment. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and, and that today, fear could be out of mm-hmm. reprisal from other people. Right, it, it could be. Yeah. Well, how dare you? Yeah. Right, how and 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 things like that. Right. It's that's very fascinating. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. If you're yeah, if you're different from other people, or if mm-hmm. you you know come from a different uh, cultural background, like how dare you? Right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so the, you know, you mentioned uh, Komu and the 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 quote and his perspectives, I guess, about uh, what politics can feel like and uh the importance of other things aside from you know the intimidation tactics that come with can easily come with power and authority mm-hmm. uh, but you know it is not always encouraged or effective um as a whole but now we go back to as you said staying present and staying in real life and how this relates back to some of your your friends Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I'd r- uh, really like to share the story of these friends, um, Tupac and Carolina. So they they came from Nicaragua, uh, Central America country, and they are trailblazers, tandem cycling club uh, volunteers, so captains. Uh, it's a cycling club for blind people. So mm-hmm. we sit in the back, sighted people sit in the front, so then we can uh, ride outside. Um so in, in, in the group right uh, 10 days ago, uh, I got to know about their stories, you know, more of their stories. Uh, it was interesting. Um, and and uh, by the way, so this Tupac, uh, he has a very unique hairstyle, like half of his head was trimmed very nicely short. <laughs> the other half, like he has this long curly hair that he bundled up that day. Um, I asked him, yeah, how he and Carolina uh, met, and I got this story. <laughs> so, Remya, could you please, uh, like, uh, bring up that story for us? Absolutely. So this is something that Young wrote on Carolina and Tupac. Tupac met Carolina Carolina um, at a common friend's birthday party. At the time, Tupac was in his last year of university and Carolina was a freshman student and she had short hair, very unique to Tupac. He said it was kind of like tomboyish. They chatted, they talked about politics and they kept different opinions, but they thought the conversation to be very engaging. Tupac said he just enjoyed being with her and at the time a little bit of a crossroads Catalina had a boyfriend but Tupac expressed his love for her the second time that they met and decided that he would just wait without any pressure on Catalina but for her to decide on her own and he said that such an interesting girl deserved the wait it's like a long-term investment in happiness and his investment in time and happiness definitely paid off. It's been more than 17 years since they got together and he's never felt bored, he says. They both enjoy gourmet and cooking. Uh, recently, 
They bought a hot plate, some cylinders, and rented a booth at a Latin American festival in Toronto, which, by the way, I attended. It was amazing. And sold Nicaraguan snacks and food that and drinks that they themselves love to uh, make and cook. They say it wasn't too profitable, but they enjoyed letting people have a taste of their homemade food. Tupac wanted to buy a trailer that could be attached to a bicycle. Then he could go around the streets of Toronto and sell delicious Nicaraguan cacao drinks during his spare time. They're also thinking of buying a drone to take pictures of buildings to be used by a software for modeling, analysis and design as they are both um, architects in their field. They have a lot of exciting ideas for their future. And at the moment, they're busy working on their first house in Canada, which is in construction. Carolina happened to be Young's captain um, at the last group ride for Trailblazers, and that was in Centre Island in Toronto. And she's a very good rider, a happy, helpful person, very pleasant to chat with, as you say, Young. And yeah, and and uh, uh, when when we were waiting for the boat at the ferry, like someone teased her. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we always, yeah, we always hear uh, Tupac, you know, showing off his love for you, like praise you, but you never say anything about him. Why is that? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Carolina just smiled, and Tupac came out to explain. So of course that should be. Well, like it's always the bees, you know, coming to the flowers, you know, flying around flowers, never the, the other way around. Right? So, yeah, so a, a very like interesting and very kind, um, thoughtful young couple. They are. I really, yeah, I really love that. Yeah. They're uh, very, so. very kind. Now, what made you think this? You know, what made you think of uh, their story and looping it back around to um, Kumo and Queen Elizabeth II's passing and everything that's going on right now in the, the atmosphere, what drew this to you in relation? What that just came to my mind. I think because they are all people who live their life to the fullest. I think that's the connection. So people all know the Queen. But many of them don't even know where Nicaragua is. Mm. Not to mention, you don't know anything about the country, its people. But like, if they got the same opportunity like me to get to listen to their stories, then we can really relate to their lives, which is as vivid as our own. So, like to me, uh, they are like as inspirational and uplifting as the royal legend, if not even more so, because they're real people in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. amazing that you bring it back to that point, that personal connection that you have with Tupac and Carolina, because so many of the stories we were hearing about the Queen, aside from everything we were learning, you know, the amazing and uh fabulous things that she's done overall on a huge uh, radar right uh, on these huge levels yeah. aside yeah. from that everything we were hearing kelly and i were talking about it um endlessly on the show were personal stories personal meetings with the queen okay. how they felt that when she was talking to them 
she was talking only to them. And, that and I suspect the queen would have absolutely loved to hear their story yeah. and certainly would have loved <laughs> the, the bees to, to the flowers. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. An analogy. I think so. She is a flower. <laughs> yeah. 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 Amazing. Mm-hmm. Young, this has been a, a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. Okay. Have a good afternoon. You yep. too. And we'll mm-hmm. talk to you next yep. month. Young Wang joining us on the third Tuesday of the month to to really get that insight in um, on the, the stories and maybe the headlines that we've been paying attention to. But the different angles is what we appreciate. And some of those great conversations she has. Coming up next, folks, on this month's Voices segment, Mark Aflalo, a man who has many hats when working with us over here at AMI and abroad. Uh, we will get an idea of how come he has such a love of audio. We'll talk to him in just two minutes on Kelly and Company. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald, hosts of Kelly and Company here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Remember, repeats of the program, 10 p.m. Eastern and 6 a.m. in the morning, also available as a podcast. Well, once a month, Rum, we get a chance to take a voice that we may know here on the network or maybe over on the AMI-TV side or somebody familiar maybe from the past. Today, we've got a very ever-present voice that uh, people who listen to AMI-audio will definitely know. And with this segment, we get a chance to hear about people's passions, drives, and any comments that they may want to talk about or, or share with us on topics they, they consider quite important, maybe a bit of a, a platform for them. Mark Flalo, a man who has many hats when dealing with the gang over here at AMI-audio and many other facets of, of AMI. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Okay, so let's get into it since I'm supposed to be making a, a bet uh, come true here. Now, Uh-oh. you are known to be the nicer brother of the Aflalo brothers. Um, <laughs> that's that's again. What, well, that's what I've been explaining to Paul just so that, you know, he understands the placing and everything like that. Uh, also, uh, we have to give shout outs to the fact that the Neutral Zone yesterday finished its second video podcast. You are handling a lot of the podcast video stuff going out there. I guess you would be one would say you're handling all of it for us. How is this new endeavor for AMI audio going? I think it's going uh, quite well. Uh, I think it's going quite well. Uh, you know, typical hiccups here and there, depending on, you know, the situation. Neutral Zone is a unique one because we record it on a Monday afternoon and it airs the next day. So imagine the stuff that has to happen before it actually gets to air on time. So we've got the audio version and we've got the YouTube version. Uh, you know, every week we're experiencing, we're, we're learning new things as we go. But overall, I think the experience has been quite good. I know Brock and Cam and, and Josh, uh, they've been having quite quite a good time and they're quite impressed with with the uh, the result the next day um overall i think it's great i think it's giving a new dimension to the podcast it's giving people an opportunity to discover them in a way they wouldn't have before that's what we're learning kind of over the over the years and over the use of youtube and the analytics we're seeing that people are really discovering a lot of new content on youtube it's not just the traditional podcast platforms it's social media that people are discovering things through and YouTube is just one of these places where it allows people 
you know, with with limited vision, with low vision to add some more dimension to the audience and the people that they have grown to love. You know, you guys are a perfect example of that. You know, people putting a picture to the audio is a, just a whole new dimension and it gives people another way to discover what you guys are doing. Does it add any trickiness obviously we're talking time but the fact that because the neutral zone it appears on ami audio or has come from being a uh, from connect for life to ami audio to now ami audio and a video podcast is there any rules or things that make it different than just somebody at home saying i want to do a video podcast well, I mean, number one is we're striving for a certain level of quality. You know, it's just not just, hey, turn on your webcam and let's go. Right. We spent several months making sure these guys were equipped. Internet connections were were pretty good. We're not to the extent of, you know, you know what you guys are doing for, for you know, broadcast purposes. But definitely we're, we're up in the game when it comes to video podcasts. It's not just crappy quality that's going out there. We really want to make sure that this is... Yes, it's audio first, but we're adding a level of dimension on the video side that is far superior to what people are just going out and doing, you know, what they can buy on Amazon. That's definitely number one. And and using tools that allow us to connect in real time and record these things at a higher quality, it, it obviously takes time. It takes a lot of research. It takes a lot of testing. And it's definitely one of the factors that we we put into it. And the other thing is especially on the host side of things. And it's something that I've learned from doing double tap TV is describing the visuals, making yes. sure that you're mm -hmm. not giving an audience uh, that has a disability or doesn't have a disability, any kind of advantage over the other one. You want to make sure that someone out there who's sighted or someone out there who might be blind or even low vision, who has someone who's sighted next to them, doesn't, no one benefits. No one has an advantage over the other one. And that comes with a lot of training. And it comes with a lot of learning that I continuously learn. That That's probably one of the biggest takeaways I get from doing Double Tap TV. I've never been a guy, I've never ever, ever said, oh, I want to be on camera. I want to be a TV personality. That has never crossed my mind in my life. When they came to me and said, hey, we want you to host this with Stephen Scott, I said, okay, that's going to be interesting. We can, we can try this out. And, and it's worked out well because we take it from an audio perspective first. My passion, you know, as you guys know, I've always been in radio. It's almost like probably 25 years at this point has always been audio first. And, and, you know, I've got a, I actually have a fear of public speaking for the first time this summer. We did a, we did some town halls that I had to get over that hump, which was, which was interesting. Um, <laughs> but when you, you know, you're in a room with a microphone, there's nobody watching you. There's I was nobody to say, yeah, so, cause some people it's might different. hear that and say, yeah, right. I was one of them. I'm not going to I honestly, in, in high school, um, I have teachers who I, I would run into today that laugh at me because in high school, I refused to do a public speech. Mm. Categorically refused. I said, I'm not doing it. I don't care if I fail. I'm just not doing it. To the point that my teacher. As dramatic as Paul. Wow. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> my, my teachers, I remember my teachers begging me, like, just come and do it for me and one other person will be in the room. <laughs> and I said, I'm, not, I'm just not doing it. I can't do it. Like, I just, I'm scared. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years and I'm on the radio in Montreal. I'm doing all this yeah. stuff. And people are like, how do you do that? I'm like, there's nobody in the room. I'm alone. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I said I'm that alone. about TV when they wanted me to start doing TV for AMI. I said, are you, are you, what are you talking about? I don't have any experience. I'm a radio dude, period. Yeah, and, and but you know what? I think that gives us a little bit of an advantage because we're able to tell a story and we're already thinking in the mindset of telling a story yep. that creates the picture in your head. Yep. So when it comes to TV, taking the audio first approach, we're telling the story audibly and then we're adding visuals after that match with it. It doesn't always work that way. It's not always that beautiful symbiotic relationship, 
there are tons of times, and I'll give you a great example as we we recorded an episode. I'm sure you guys have talked about the Envision glasses, yes. which are basically Google Glass with a camera on the side. Mm-hmm. And um, it uses the Envision app uh, or things like Aero will we'll, we'll work on it, um, where you can someone can watch and see what you're seeing. And Sean Priest, again, who is very, very low vision, and Stephen Scott were at this event in the UK, and they go film this beautiful segment. And the person who he interviewed, and I won't mention names or companies, but but their responsibility is they sell this specialized tech, okay? That's all they do. And the person is sitting there um, showing Sean how to use it and not describing anything. Mm. Oh, and my we record, goodness. Yeah, we recorded this. Thing. Oh. He's like, yeah, oh, he goes, you know, we yeah. push this button here, we slide our finger there, and we're watching this, and it's something that I didn't pick up on, but... Thankfully, we have people here at AMI whose jobs <laughs> are, are to review these. That's all we do. Right. And 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 they picked up on it. I'm like, okay, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to, because it's an event that was live, an interview that was live, and Sean didn't pick up on it when he was doing it. Sean was very descriptive when he had the glasses on, but he was in the heat of the conversation. You don't really pay attention to those little minute details. So I had to figure out, okay, how do I do this in a way that I can't reshoot it? I have to describe it to the audience and I need it to sound natural. So we ended up reformatting it in a way that Sean introduced the segment uh, with a voiceover and some B-roll and some imagery that went along with it. And that made it more natural that throughout the segment, adding a voiceover in certain elements made sense. Mm-hmm. So when the guy started describing it, I had Sean come in and record saying, he's referring to the right side of the glasses where there's a touchpad. And it added the description, the described elements that we didn't have before. But I continuously, like, I, it constantly amazes me anytime anybody points that out to me something that i I missed i'm like oh yeah why wasn't i thinking about it that way and it takes my writing and my style and everything to a whole new direction yeah an incredible awareness it's really and then like you say though i think the radio side definitely has add adds to that ability to be able to tell the story and provide that description go ahead rum sorry no, I was just thinking because sometimes the visual can actually be distracting, right? Like it, it distracts from understanding or realizing, like you've been pointing out in this example, that stuff was missed for people who can't see it or yeah. aren't yeah. able to or whatever. Um, but with radio, there is nothing like that because you're you're leaving it to the person's imagination anyway. Yeah. You know, or to pick up the pieces as you're describing it. And to interpret yeah. How many times do I do an interview, uh, whether it's for Double Tap or, or the other tech show I do on Sirius XM, that I'm talking to somebody and we're doing the interview on Zoom because that's the way everybody connects these days. Yeah. So we can see each other and then he'll hold something up and I'll be like, yeah, that's a great that's a great visual for our radio audience, you know, because I don't have a, <laughs> a visual yeah. element to that. But it's something that I, I honestly find it very, very interesting. And that's, I think, this is the biggest challenge. But thankfully, coming from the audio background, especially when it comes to, like, the neutral zone, uh, it's, 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 it's a no-brainer for them. It's, it's just they're already thinking that direction. The visual is really something that I get to worry about afterwards. Fascinating what your XM audience feels, too, because I'm sure naturally at times that, that's there. You just you explain it well enough because you're used to now having to do that. Yeah, and that's, you know, you, you talked often when you introduced me, you talked about my passion for audio, and I think that's probably the biggest thing, and I, I don't even think about it or, or vocalize it really ever. That's what I love doing is mm-hmm. I love producing things that create that emotion, and it's hard to do. It's not an easy thing to do. Right. You know, you can, can you can produce commercials that are fun and the scripts are playful, but, you know, a couple of years ago we did It's a Wonderful Life, the radio show for Christmas, and you guys were involved heavily, and I oh, had so yeah. much fun doing that. 
I had so much fun because I was working completely with this audio platform going, okay, how do I bring this to life? And I had not, when we started that, I had not actually ever seen it. So I made sure that I watched it and I'm like, okay, this, this all makes sense to me. So I had to now recreate this stuff with sound effects and make it seem not too cheesy, but also kind of fit with the time. And it's just so much fun. And it's, you, you get into a, into a daily routine of working with audio. And sometimes you take for granted some of the things that you, you get to play with that other people look at you going, that's so much fun. <laughs> I love, I love what sound effects can do that people don't even realize tells them so much of a story without you having to use words to tell that story because we all relate back to certain sounds and that's, that sound belongs there. So, you know, oh, as somebody outside mm -hmm. walking through the woods because it sounds a certain way versus somebody walking down a town street. Yeah. And you know what? Some, go ahead, Remy. Well, I was just going to say that it reminds me of the uh, OTR, Old Time Radio, conversation we had with Kelly, you, and Siobhan mm -hmm. about that, right? Because now we're, you know, adamant on audio description, audio description, audio description. But what happened back in the day with radio was exactly what you're describing. It, sound effects and uh, leave it up to the imagination. No one's telling you, I'm opening this door. But I'm crossing you know the happening. street now, even though you can hear them step <laughs> off the wooden sidewalk onto exactly. the gravel and yeah. back up onto the wooden sidewalk. I wonder what he's doing. It sounds like a hobby horse. Yeah, no, it, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting landscape out there, and it's one of the, the other things I find in doing double tap and just constantly working with AMI is that I become an advocate for it. Like I watch TV shows, I'm like, why didn't they? They didn't have to say it like that. They could have said it differently, sure. so that someone else could have figured that out. And and you end up starting to preach to people. And the funny thing is, is that even though it doesn't come off as preachy, when you explain it to someone, they're like, oh my god, why am I? Why am I not doing that? I'm like, I don't know. Why aren't you doing it? Yeah, sometimes people <laughs> make it out to be bigger and harder than it is. So uh, is it true that you failed your introduction to radio and TV <laughs> course uh, because you were working over doing the morning show at Shom? It is. It is absolutely true. I was in Sejep, and, you know, for those of you who are not from Quebec, Sejep is this two-year waste of time, or sorry, this two-year opportunity <laughs> to bridge yourself between high school and university um, that they, you, you have to take. You have got to go through this two years. And, and I found myself in a situation where I knew I was into radio. Uh, at the end of high school, I knew I was into radio, but there were no real courses that made sense to me. There was introduction to radio and TV, a lot of filmmaking classes, but nothing that really spoke to me. So I spent a lot of time either in the arcade at the mall next door or at the radio station at the, at the, at Sejep. Um, but this class was one that interested me. But the problem was, is that I, you know, thanks to not going to other classes in Sejep, I was not kicked out, but you're put on academic probation. You have to basically beg to be let back in, yeah. like, please let me come back so I can redeem myself. So I ended up, I did that. And while I was doing this, I was interning at, at Shome, a local station here in Montreal. And, um, and I begged my, I begged my way back and they let me in. And the next day I got a phone call saying, Hey Mark, we're, we're putting Howard Stern on Shome uh, in a couple of weeks. Oops. We need someone to push the buttons and, and do stuff. It's a full-time job. I'm like sold. So I go <laughs> in, I, I didn't, I'd failed introduction wow. to radio TV because I missed the two tests. And she begged me. She's like, come take him. I'm like, I'm too busy. I'm working. I'm working the morning show down the street. Like, I can't. I have no interest you. in this. So is so, there yeah. anything you haven't done in radio? Is there anything I haven't done in radio? Yeah. I've never I've never climbed a tra transmitter tower. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Really? I thought yeah. everybody did that. <laughs> no, that I've never. Surprisingly, that's the first thing we think of, though. So you've done everything else. I th honestly, I've, I've I started in promotions. I was hanging banners up in a movie theater for right. movie movie premieres. 
Um, I did brought remotes, set up the remotes technically. I did audio production. I produced commercials. I produced shows. I was a DJ in music. I was a talk radio host. I was a newscaster. I was the program director. I was the creative director. I was a copywriter. Um, I, I basically was an engineer. I mean, that's what I, I do now is a lot of live broadcast stuff for for uh, other companies like Sirius XM, NBC, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So there's not much that I can think of. I, I think I've done almost everything in, in the radio business. Wow. That's amazing. That is. Yeah. Um, before we lose you, Mark, I want to talk about drones quickly. Uh, okay. we got a couple of minutes. <laughs> we would love, like, I would love to fly a drone. I'll be honest. I wish that was the possible thing. And you have to be our eyes here. Tell us the cool thing about it that, that just keeps you having fun with it. You know, so... Until recently, drones were just kind of you take them off, they they cover themselves, you could fly and get really beautiful pictures and beautiful imagery and get, and get to see a, a vantage point that unless you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars getting a pilot's license, you're really not going to get. You know, maybe it's a vantage point you'd see when you're you're taking off in a plane. And flying is one of those things that I think that I, I would probably have a, a real fun time doing but i just don't have the patience to go through the the learning part mm. i can't do school like i'm done <laughs> i'm done with the schooling <laughs> part of things and then hours um, wow. yeah no it's it's a lot it's a lot of time and it's a lot of theory and it's a lot of stuff and uh so you know drones started becoming more and more popular i started getting into the drones and i really started enjoying flying them because you kind of you separate yourself from the world so then dji which is one the number one drone manufacturer in the world at this point i mean they've been making every drone that's successful they come out with this one called the Avada, and it's a first-person point-of-view drone. So what that means is there's a camera on the front of the drone, and you wear these like VR goggles that have a beautiful high-resolution screen. They've got antennas on it, and you're flying in the first-person point-of-view. So it's That's like awesome. you're Superman with your arms out, wow. flying through the sky. Oh, man. And, and not only that, but it's, they've made it so easy now. It used to be that these drones were the harder ones to fly because they wouldn't automatically float and hover if you let go. Now you're doing it with a joystick-style control, one single control, and it's all motion. So if I move, if I, if I rotate my wrist left, it goes left. If I rotate it right, it goes right. If I pull the trigger, it accelerates. If I tilt it backwards, it goes up. If I, it's like you're flying a plane. Wow. Hold up. And you're getting that first person point of view at the same time. Have you not tried skydiving? I similar. went skydive. I did skydive. I did skydive about wow, 15, 15, 16 years ago. Okay. Um, I did it once. I would have done it again then. Now I think I'm a little bit, uh, a little okay. bit more scaredy pants. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like to stay back then. But you, you know, know what? Maybe well. You know, skydiving is interesting. I don't know if either of you have tried I it. I have. I loved it. No, but no, this remind your description of first hand uh, or first perspective drone or whatever so, sounds like So skydiving gives you, you know, what people don't realize who have never done it, you don't get that stomach in your mouth feeling like no. a roller coaster. No, you just you know? float. You just, you're floating there. And then yeah. when the parachute comes out, then you realize because you're getting closer to the ground that you're getting closer to the ground. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would imagine. With the drone, it's a little bit different because... You can free fall and you can give yourself that effect, but you're also then flying. So you can take off, you can go up, you can go through trees, you can. And because between you and I, because I didn't pay for this drone, they sent it to me to play with. You tend to be a little bit more risky than you yeah. would if you paid for it with uh, your yes. own money. About those trees. Yeah, about those trees. So uh, uh, so it, it, it is it is a lot of fun. And um, I'm still convinced that I could put the goggles on, on uh, Stephen Scott or Sean Priest and uh, have them crash royally and have some fun doing that. I think that would make a great segment <laughs> teaching someone film, with low vision right? how to fly a drone. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Definitely. I love that. I, I think I thought always that first person perspective was the way you saw through a drone. So I learned something today that no, they aren't all like that, Kelly. I guess that's money. 
Thanks, Mark. Oh, the music. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Time to go. These radio people, they know all the little signs here. My gosh, that's like the hint. We didn't have to say a word. Voices segment, we do it uh, once a month here on Kelly and Company. We thank Marco Flalo for joining us today on the program. And we do this on the third Tuesday of every month. We'll wrap up the show after this. ridiculous when you listen to anybody who's into audio and you start hearing them talk and you're like want to scream out oh what a radio geek and then you realize oh, it's them? a mirror i'm looking into yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> a real cool conversation uh mark flaw we did have a bunch of things to get into with him but you get discussing some of those facets and sorry folks if some of it makes you say okay move on to something else guys uh, we have a ball just learning. Oh, so that's what you're doing with the, the Neutral Zone gang and the other. Oh, really? Oh, the, uh, the drone. I have always wondered about drones because of my perception and just how fun I think it would be. But uh, I've kind of spurned up the idea of getting one. And yeah, Kelly, it was great. Did you enjoy it for five minutes before you crashed it? Yeah. 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 yeah how much uh, virtual guiding can we get in before crashing a drone? I think yeah. it's a fun game to play. The, the perspective is interesting because, unfortunately... You know, I wouldn't be able to see enough to know where I was. And, oh, wow, all I see is a clear sky straight ahead. Well, that's because you're flying it upward. And sooner <laughs> or later, it's just going to drop on you. Um, I, I think that it's just such a great thing. And, I, I mean, I'd have to watch it. In, even when I had better vision, I'd have to watch it for sure on a TV a hundred, like a, a hundred inches across, mm-hmm. something like that. And in slow-mo, right? Very much so. And yeah. I'm not sure it can do that. I like the fact, though, you could make it stop and kind of just... Hover there and sit there. Okay, now where the heck am I? <laughs> Folks, uh, on uh, weekday mornings, check out Now with Dave Brown here on the network. We invite Paul Daniel in to tell us a little bit about what's coming up tomorrow on the program, which would be the Wednesday edition. Paulie D., how are you? Hey, I'm doing fine, thanks. On tomorrow's show, we'll speak to Tara Chisholm, head coach of the Canadian women's para-ice hockey team, which won a silver medal at the first-ever para-ice uh, para hockey women's world challenge last month. Awesome. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, it's the first time ever. September is Disability Employment Month in British Columbia. Well, we have talked about this subject uh, the past uh, couple of weeks. We'll talk with columnist Anu Paula, who will examine a different area of, of this uh, subject, about what it means and what companies should actually be doing to ensure potential employees feel included right from the start at the, at the hiring process. And Milena Kazanovichus, our community reporter in Halifax, will give us the details about a new accessible taxi service sorry, a new accessible taxi service called Extra Care Taxi in mm. the region. Jinx, we're talking yeah. about that too. Yeah, we'll have a little conversation tomorrow on the Jinx, show about yep. that. Yeah. Uh, Pauly D, so um, when you look at a province like BC doing that, making that awareness, uh, you know, we all sit here and have our take on for companies sure. or for this challenge to to make people more aware. Is it general public? Is it just companies? I mean, we really do have to get the stigma that, hey, yeah, lots of disabled people want to work. Uh, absolutely. I, I think it's not going to it's not going to change in, in in a generation I, I think it's a long-term process and it isn't just companies got to do it and I think it's also uh, media has to promote it as well it has to promote it also we have to show that it works you just can't say it works it has to be seen to be done it has to be seen that it works yes yeah, I think and, what, and one big number I think Kelly is unemployment numbers yep. I mean how many times have we seen the numbers of people who are disabled who are is twice that of um, 
the unemployment rate for people who are disabled yep. is higher than that of people who are able-bodied. It's, it's, it's a discouraging number. No matter how good the times are, the disabled don't seem to feel the, feel the benefits of those things. And it has to, that has, that's where I think the numbers have to show a real difference. Check out that discussion yeah, people, on uh, yeah. Now with Dave Brown. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate Indeed. it. Tomorrow, you 9 a.m. in the morning, Paul joins us at the end of our show to tell us what's coming up on the show. They're available also as a podcast for sure. And I think, Rummy, a lot of time we get looking at, hey, we got to make sure people, newcomers to the country, get jobs. And I think the disability community kind of gets left behind. Frustrating conversation, Kels. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Yes, we will. On the show tomorrow, kicking it off, reporter Grant Hardy, 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 sorry, Grant, will be here to share the latest health headlines. I think that's why, Grant, that's my excuse. Greg David shows some love to U.S. television networks by featuring TV shows debuting and returning during September. Also, Ryan Delahanty will be filling us in on that long-awaited accessible transit in Halifax, Extra Care Taxi. Mary Mamaliti will continue her conversation about safe cooking techniques for the blind and low-vision home cook. Plus, she'll be sharing a recipe for uh, easy kettle corn. Ooh, nice. And we'll have the Wednesday edition of the Buzz with Bill as producer Bill Shackleton joins us. We'll talk to you tomorrow beginning at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'm waving at you, folks. I remember in the summertime, I would settle back to listen to a lot of things at nighttime. AM radio then was a, was a king, folks. It really was. had everything on it that you could want, including music. Yeah, I know today you chuckle at that saying, who, who would want music on AM radio? But that's where all the hits were then. You know, FM was reserved for the album rock or the classical listener and things like that. But at nighttime with the skip, I used to listen to a variety of things. Of course, my old radio shows. Of course, as a sports fan, I listened to baseball teams that were far away through the static bursts. Why am I bringing this up? We're almost into fall. And when fall came, less storms, less and less. Winter, the wonderful cold nights. Why were they wonderful? Well, I was inside enjoying them listening to radio without interference in the summertime the beautiful thing is you, you got to hear these ball games and stuff however a lot of time there were static crashes from storms that were between me and the originating signal it was tough sometimes and you couldn't get good recordings of stuff that you were trying to copy off the did i say that out loud <laughs> who would do that especially off am but in the wintertime clean crisp signals especially stations that were on clear channels as at the time they had some of those I don't think there are many clear channels left at all. But you could get these stations, and whether it was listening to newscasts, finding out what was going on in places that you may or may never visit, listening to sports, yep, you know, sometimes I listen to the hockey games, but a lot of time for me it was just listening to news, learning about radio stations. And as a kid, I loved to learn about the streets, the freeways, the, the traffic reports. Exciting guy, wasn't I? All these different things that to me made up radio DXing, as we call it in amateur radio. It was so much fun to do. And in fall, I would start looking forward to it. October was wonderful. Less storms, Halloween radio shows coming on. You got the real feel of environments that celebrated Halloween. November, well, the American Thanksgiving. And you started getting ready for Christmas. And all the wonderful things you'd hear about. And of course, no static. 
Clear Channel. Station staying in longer without fading out on you. Oh yeah, those wonderful days of radio. Now, there's not a lot on AM programming. It's there, but not like 25, 30, 40 years ago. However, now, I can Clear Channel listen to all that stuff. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts. Online.